welcome to the Ruby Book Club podcast, where we read an hour of a Ruby book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Saran, developer and founder of Code Newbie. I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works. So we're currently reading Refactoring, the Ruby edition. And last week we started chapter six, Composing Methods. So this week we're going to look at the following methods, replace temp with query, replace temp with chain, introduce explaining variable, and split temporary variable. And remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Ruby Book Club. And if you're reading along and you're on Twitter, tweet at us and let us know what you think of the book so far. We'd love to hear from you. So what did you think of the reading this week? I thought it was good. I found that as I was going through the code examples, I struggled to follow them. But once I pieced them together, the the refactorings that they were describing seemed very simple to me. Yes, that's you know exactly I mean? how I felt as well. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, I think it was last week, we talked about how some of the sections felt very fast and there wasn't a lot of detail. And then there were a couple of sections that felt very, very long and kind of over explaining a little bit. And this one was definitely on the faster side of things. Mm-hmm. And what I was really happy about is when I was reading through the different methods, I thought to myself, oh, great, I've been doing a lot of these things. I just didn't know they had names attached to them. So that made me feel, you know, a little bit better about my own skills and, and practices uh, and also just my instincts. You know, I looked at it and I said, yeah, that's what I would do. I would make that into a method and then replace it here. And so that was that was really nice. It's really validating. Yeah, it's interesting what you said about not realizing that stuff you'd been doing had these specific names, because even in even in the descriptions of some of the ones that we are going to discuss this week, they refer to other ones like, well, in this case, you'd want this thing. And I'd be like, well, what is that thing? Mm-hmm. We haven't read it yet. <laughs> so, um, yes. yeah, there's lots of terminology. And I wonder, do people, I wonder if there are workplaces where people are, you know, freely using these terms mm. um, mm-hmm. or whether it's just like you said, there are loads of people doing these things, but they don't know what the names are, the, the specific names are. And that's the thing too, right? This is a recipe book with tons of names. So I can see where people would much more easily remember the method and, you know, the process and the steps and not, you know, kind of forget about the name, especially because, I mean, frankly, the names aren't particularly distinct either, right? So replace temp with chain, replace temp with query, replace temp with, you know, it, mm-hmm. it kind of all sounds very similar and very repetitive. So it makes sense that people will remember the idea and not necessarily the names of it. Yeah, so shall we start by looking at replace temp with query? Mm-hmm. Okay, so replace temp with query. So we've got a scenario where we're using a temporary variable and that's holding the result of an expression. And so what we're gonna do here is extract that expression into a method and then wherever we've called that temp, we uh, replace that with calls to the method. Yes, and that was one of the ones that I think we've done a couple times and feels very straightforward. You have uh, a local variable and we're replacing it with an actual method and then we kind of move about our day. And so in looking at the motivation, they say that the problem with temps is that they are temporary and local. And this is gonna be a running theme for the methods that we're gonna discuss this week. There's a lot of temp hate coming up. (laughs) And so the, the gist here is that when we replace the temp with a query method, then any method in the class can use that information because when you've got a temp that can only be used within the scope of the current method Mm -hmm. and the other thing that they point out here is that replace temp with query is something that's often done before extract method Mm -hmm. and that makes sense too because when you've got a lot of local variables in a method it's really hard to extract it and so if you first replace temp with query then extracting method later on becomes much easier Mm -hmm. 
And so what are the mechanics of replace temp with query? So first of all, we take the right-hand side of the assignment, the temp assignment, and we put that into a method. And there's a little pointer here that says initially mark the method as private uh, because you might want to expand the interface later on, but it's easier to relax to protection than to start with all lots of public methods which don't need to be public. And also you need to ensure that the extracted method is free from side effects. So that means that it's not modifying any other object. It's almost you can extract it out in isolation. Test the change, test that everything's still working and then run inline temp on the temp. And I think inline temp was one that we discussed last week. So that's basically mm -hmm. removing the assignment line and then wherever you've called the temp, put the method call there instead. Yes. So here we talk about how temps can often be used to store information that comes out of a loop. And so here we're advised to take that entire loop to extract it into a method. And that makes things a lot clearer, a lot easier. And that also means that we're less likely to duplicate code as well. So we walk through an example of this. So we have a simple method called def price, base price equals at quantity times at item price. And then we have a conditional that reads, if base price is greater than 1,000, set the variable discount factor to 0.95, else set the discount factor to 0.98, end. And then we return base price times discount factor. So here what we want to do is use our replace temp with query at the very first line where we have a variable and we're going to call it a base price and we're going to set it equal to price. And we're going to have a new method we created called def base price. And we're going to put at quantity times at item price there. So that base price is going to call the method and it's going to be set to a local temp variable. So with that in mind, we're going to test and hopefully everything looks good and there's no issues. And then now we can begin to replace the, uh, the other references to that local temp variable with the method that we just created. So instead of it saying if a base price greater than 1,000, we're going to set it to if base price greater than 1,000. So we're using the method call instead of the temp local variable. And then we do it at the very last line of the method when we're returning base price times discount factor. So now that we've done this, we're going to look at, okay, how can we rework the discount factor and extract it and make it a little bit cleaner? So this is the one that he, he kind of, the others kind of did this in, I felt like one step and I had to go back and kind of correlate and make sure I understood what was going on. But the result is we have def price and instead of having those five, six lines, instead we have just two lines. We have a discount factor equals discount factor. And now we've created a new method called def discount factor. And in that is where we put our initial conditional. So we have base price is greater than 1000 question mark. 0.95 or 0.98. So we're doing a ternary as our conditional there. And then when we go back to our def price, the final line in that says base price times a discount factor. So what we've done here is by removing the base price temp variable from price and moving that outside into its own method, we're able to see that we can actually further extract the discount factor into its own method. And so now we're left with three methods, one which is our original that says def price, and that is just asking us to multiply base price times discount factor, and base price is its own method, and discount factor is also its own method. Looks so much better. A lot better, a lot more readable.
And it was interesting how they point out that it would have been difficult to extract discount factor if we hadn't done the base price one first. Mm -hmm. Because you need to have that knowledge in one place of what is your base price and depending on whether it's greater than a thousand or not, then select this discount factor. Um, and if base pri if the if base price the calculation had just been done within the local scope of the method, it's it would have been hard to extract out the discount factor information. Yep, definitely. So now we move on to replace temp with chain, and this is where again you've got a temporary variable that's holding the result of an expression, but this time you want to change the methods involved such that they support chaining, and then you can then remove the need for a temp. So the motivation here is you've got a bit of code and you're calling methods on different lines. And if you can uh, chain these methods, then what you'd get is a more fluent readable interface. And there's a bit here that says, method chaining can also improve maintainability by providing an interface that allows you to compose code that reads naturally. And I and I put a note here which says, this is the first time I've read an argument for why uh, chaining is desirable. Yeah, me too. Because we've always been looking at it with respect to the law of Demeter and how you're, you know, right. digging into different objects. And this is the first time where it's like, hey, but when you're actually calling the methods on the same object, then you mm -hmm. want to almost get chaining because then it, it's easier to read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was really, really surprised when I saw this entire method. I thought, wait a minute, this has to be, this has to be a mistake. But yeah, apparently there are times when it makes sense. And just to clarify, this is when we are talking about one type of object. We mm -hmm. shouldn't be um, calling code within a series of different objects. That's when we get into problems. Mm -hmm. Yep. So the mechanics of replace temp with chain are return self from the methods that you want to allow chaining from because you need to ensure that you return back the method so that you can then call the next method. Test, check that nothing's broken. Then remove the local variables that you have and chain the method calls and then test again. So let's look at an example. So in this example, we're gonna be designing a library for creating HTML elements. And in this library, uh, you're going to have a method that will create a select dropdown and you can add options to that select. And so the current code that we've got says class select and inside class select, there is a method called options and that reads at options all equals an empty array. So basically if at options doesn't already exist, then just create an empty array. And then there's another method called add option, which takes an argument called arg, and that shoves in arg to the options array. So basically you can add an option to select. Mm -hmm. And then there's an example bit of code to show how you'd use this class. So we have a temporary variable called select and we assign that to a new instance of the select class. And then we have select.addOption1999, select.addOption2000, select.addOption2001, and so on. And so the point is we've got four or five lines here where we're repeatedly um, adding an, a new option to this instance of the select class. And so let's replace temp to allow training. Okay, so the first thing that we're going to do here is to create a new method in the select class that will create an instance of select and then also add an option. So we create a method called self dot with option and it takes an argument called option. And inside the method, it says select equals self dot new and then select dot options. And then we shovel an option, which was the argument that the method was called with. And then we return select. So 
that's the important bit. We return self. We return that instance that we just created. Mm-hmm. So now um, that changes the code that we had before to say, um, rather than just initializing the, the, the new select instance, we can change that first line to now say select equals select the class dot with option and the argument 1999. So we've got rid of one of the lines of code. So the next thing to do now is to change the add option method such that it returns self because this will allow us to chain. So all we do here is in the add option method that takes arg under options and then the shovel operator arg, we just call self. And this means that we can refactor those four lines of code to read select equals select. So this is the class dot with option taking the argument 1999 dot add option 2000 dot add option 2001 dot add option 2002 so we've managed to reduce those five lines to one line Mm -hmm. and then the last thing now i thought this was very interesting was that we should rename the add option method to something that reads more fluently such as and and so the add def add option with the arg argument now becomes def and with the arg argument and i thought this was incredibly interesting because i feel like this goes against a lot of stuff that we mm-hmm. taught and read mm-hmm. because i would have never thought to rename a method to this ever because this now only works for me with chaining in mind and not in isolation yes. now exactly. so what if you just wanted to add one option to something that already exists you'd be saying select dot and five thousand for example and exactly. And on its own, it doesn't mean anything. But in the chaining example, you know, it reads quite nicely. We've got select with option 1999 and 2000 and 2001. So it works in that case, but it just means mm-hmm. that in isolation, it, it doesn't, doesn't work. Mean it doesn't work. It doesn't mean. Yeah, exactly. I was I was very annoyed at this section because I did not. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I didn't like that. Like you said. It's not a descriptive method name. It doesn't really tell us what it's doing or what it's trying to do or who's supposed to use it and for what. And it really feels like it was designed within the context of the chaining idea and nothing else. And I it just, it, it really bothered me. What I think would have been, you know, a way to maybe get the best of both worlds is if you left it as the add option method and then create a new method called and that mm-hmm. called add option and then return self. Because then, you know, you're able to chain it really nicely, but you know what it's doing. You know that and is just adding an option. You can still do the add option one by one if you want. Can I just say, I think that's one of the first times on uh, on this podcast that one of us has come up with uh, our own refactoring yeah. suggestion that I think is yeah. better than the authors. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. That was cool, Zoran. authors. <laughs> I like that idea. Look at you wrapping those methods. You know, <laughs> call me the method wrapper. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go cool so next we have introduce explaining variable and I was really this is one of the ones that I read and I thought oh cool this is what I would have done and now I have a name for it which is really nice so in this example we have a complicated expression that might have lots of different parts to it and if you look at it it's just not very clear what's going on and it gives us a way to clarify that so we have a simple example so we're starting with a conditional it reads if platform.upcase.index and that takes in the string mac mac and and browser.upcase.index and that takes in the string ie 
and and initialized question mark and and resize is greater than zero. So if all of that is true, then do something. So what we're going to look at is that long expression, that long thing that we're evaluating. We're going to see if we can make that a little bit easier to read and understand. So one thing that we do is we use local variables to help us break that up a little bit. So we start with is Mac OS equals platform.upcase.index taking in the string MAC. And then we have another temp local variable that says is IE browser. And that's set to browser.upcase.index taking in the string IE. And then we have our final temp local variable that says was resized. And that's set to resize is greater than zero. So these local temp variables help us out and make the expression a lot easier to read and understand what it is that we're trying to find out. So now we have if is Mac OS and and is IE browser and and initialized and and was resized. And that is so much easier to understand what it is they're going for and what we are hoping to evaluate. Yes, and like you said, this is definitely something that I've done before and it's something that I would naturally think to do. So it's really cool to see that um, described in it this book. It has a name. It has a name. Mm -hmm. It's an official thing. Mm -hmm. It's real. So here we are using temps and, you know, we had a, a whole thing above where we talked about how, you know, we're trying to get rid of temps and move them into variables. And so there's a note that the authors give us where they say that it should be stated that temps should not be introduced lightly. But we have to recognize that in some situations, like the one that we just did, temporary variables can make code a little less ugly. And that's usually when I would use it too. I would think, man, I got to evaluate all these things that are really gross. Oh, if I could just clean it up and make it a little bit prettier, I will pay the price of having a longer method and pay the price of having a couple variables in there just to make it clearer and easier for me to understand. And, um, and it ends with saying, that's when I bite the bullet and use a temp. So we can see that using temps is still painful, but sometimes there is, there's a time to do it. I did highlight the bit where it said making code a little less ugly. I think you mm -hmm. explained it really well because you spoke about like readability and clarity, but I was just mm -hmm. wondering whether that was a, like a, you know how we, we, we always say that trying to make code look pretty is not necessarily the, the main motivation. And so I just wondered whether when they said ugly there, was that just saying, oh, it looks so ugly, let's make it look nicer? Or was that purely a, no, it's about readability and maintainability? I read it as being about readability. And that was, I mean, even when I was literally trying to read it, it was, you know, it was hard to read. And when I read it out loud in the uh, refactored in the in the prettier way, it actually made a lot more sense. So, uh, you know, and it's, it's interesting, it kind of, it makes... It makes the expression prettier, but you could argue that it makes the whole method uglier, right? Because now the method is longer and has more lines and has more pieces to it. So I took the prettier part to be about readability. Which is good because I think that's what it sh the aim should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. So then we outline the mechanics for it. And step one is to assign a temporary variable to the result of part of the complex expression. And we did that three times. We have three temp variables in our example. And then we replace the result part of the expression with the value of the temp. And then we test it. And then we repeat that process for all of the, for other parts of the expression. And so this uh, section ends with an example of introduce explaining variable, but using extract method at the same time. And the authors work through an example where they do something very similar to what um, you just discussed at the beginning. 
uh, where they extract out um, methods, but rather than making them temporary variable, they just make methods. So for example, there is a bit that says returns quantity slash item price, and that's base price. And so rather than doing base price equals quantity star item price, they just say def base price and the body of that method reads quantity star item price. So basically it depends on if you need to use the, the knowledge within um, the methods elsewhere, then it's probably good to make them methods. If not, then you're fine with temporary uh, variables. Mm-hmm. So our final method that we're looking at is called split temporary variable. I don't think I'd heard of this one before. Have you? I've heard of this before. Can I just say, I didn't know what it was, but I thought it was way more complicated than what it turned out to be. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that, uh, it wasn't that serious (laughs) when we were, when we described it. It also wasn't, I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe it was just the example itself, but the example didn't feel very, I don't know eye-opening are you talking about the initial one or the latter one or both kind of both yeah i agree with you it's a very straightforward thing yeah i was kind of like oh okay cool so we use split temporary variable when we have a temp variable that we that is being assigned to more than once and so in the example that we have we have temp equals two times height plus width puts temp temp equals at height times at width puts temp. So instead of doing that, we rename that first line, which used to be temp equals two times height plus width. Instead, we call it perimeter equals two times height plus width puts perimeter. And then we have area equals height times width instead of having the temp equals height times width. And then we puts area. So basically we took this temp that in this example was just called temp And instead of assigning it twice, we used two different temporary variables, and each one of those variables has a real meaning behind it, which is nice too. Yes. And so then we go on to discuss the motivation for it. And I feel like such an idiot because there are a couple of times in square brackets where the word Beck is written, and I've highlighted Mm -hmm. it, and I was going to ask you, what does Beck mean? Like, what is this referring (laughs) to? And then I just realized that's Kent Beck. So essentially it's pretty straightforward, but the reason why we do this is because when we have the same temp assigned to do different things, it can get pretty confusing and it's pretty hard to work out exactly what's going on. So we should make that clearer and uh, assign different temporary variable names to things that are different. (laughs) Makes sense. So in our mechanics, we have step one, change the name of a temp at its first assignment, which we did in the earlier example, we renamed temp to perimeter. And then step two, we change all references of the temp up to its second assignment, and then we test that. And then the final step is to repeat stages one through three, and each time renaming at the assignment and changing the references until the next assignment. Pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And so we move into the example, What is what is that word? Is it haggis? Haggis? Hodges. Okay, yeah, you're gonna love this. It is. Uh, it's oh, a God. Scottish. I think it's Scottish. Yeah, it's a Scottish traditional dish, and it contains like a uh, uh, sheep's heart, liver, lungs, oh. and it's mixed with like meat and stuff. And they have it. Um, there's a special traditional dinner that they have, and and so they once a year, and this is like the special dish that goes with it. So yeah, I've never eaten it. 
Um, How do you pronounce it? Haggis. Haggis. Okay. Oh, I had it. I had it right the first, the first time. And okay. actually, if I just read Hi. the uh, the um, yeah the Wikipedia intro for you, haggis is a savory pudding containing sheep's pluck heart, liver, and lungs, minced with onion, oatmeal, suet, spices, and salt, mixed with stock, traditionally encased in the animal's stomach, though now often in an artificial casing instead. Lovely. Nope. Mm -mm. Nope. Don't. I do not approve of that. I do not approve of that at all. But that is the example, which makes me wonder, why did they use that? That seems like a very random and specific example. I wonder if there's like an inside joke among the authors with that. But uh, in this example, we are computing the distance traveled by a haggis, mm -hmm. which also doesn't make sense. Why is the haggis traveling anywhere? Maybe there's a traditional throwing dead? thing or something. Oh, know. maybe. Of the dish. I don't know. That's that sounds that sounds right. <laughs> so, <laughs> just making up Scottish traditions. So we have deaf distance traveled, and that takes the argument time, and we have ACC equals at primary force divided by at mass, and then we have primary time equals, and then an array time comma at delay dot min. Result equals zero point five times ACC times primary time times primary time. Then we have secondary time equals time minus at delay. And then we have a conditional that reads if secondary time is greater than zero, primary vel equals ACC times at delay. ACC equals at primary force plus at secondary force, all of that divided by mass. And then we have result plus equals primary vel times secondary time plus five times ACC times secondary time times secondary time. End, and then we return the result. So that is a lot. Uh, and the authors actually say, mm -hmm. this is a nice, awkward little function. And yes, it is. <laughs> it is very, very awkward. But the parts we're going to point out for our split temporary variable example is the ACC assignment. So here we have a temp. And the first time, it's set to at primary force divided by mass. And then the second time, it's set again in the conditional when it says ACC equals at primary force plus secondary force all divided by mass. And so here, we want to split these up and we don't want to reuse that same thing twice. So in the refactoring, we rename it to be primary ACC equals at primary force divided by mass. And then we look for the next time the at primary force divided by mass is used. And we see that on the third line and we replace that with primary ACC. And then we find it being used again in that conditional when we have primary vel equals primary ACC times at delay. So doing that, we've done our first step. We've renamed it and then we've gone through and replaced it in all the places up to the second assignment. So now that we've done that, we're going to look at the second idea. We're going to rename it secondary ACC equals at primary force plus at secondary force all divided by mass. And then we're going to find all the places where that's used. And we find that in the line that assigns the result temp. So it reads result plus equals primary vel times secondary time plus five times secondary ACC times secondary time times secondary time. There's a lot of secondaries and a lot of times. You did very well. <laughs> so as we can see, we took our initial temp variable that just said ACC and we divided it into two concepts. One, the primary ACC and the second one being the secondary ACC. Whew, that was a mouthful. 
So in this reading, we talk a lot about temporary variables. So we want to know, how do you feel about them? Are they as terrible as the book says? Have you found them to be useful at times? Tweet us your responses at Ruby Book Club and tell us about how you plan to use the takeaways from this episode in your next project. See you next week. Cheerio!